1: Ty's got good hair. Chuck, how are we feeling this morning after Super Bowl Sunday? Well, I ate plenty of food. There's no doubt about that. And I feel that this morning. Mm-hmm. But uh, that was a great game. It was a good game, good show, and um, congratulations to the Chiefs fans.
2: What is the best thing you guys consumed yesterday?
3: That's was the gumbo. I made, a pot of, I made a pot of gumbo and a uh, pot of um, red beans and rice. Okay. But maybe the best thing, and you've had this. I don't think Chuck's had this. I know Chuck had not had it. My wife made one of the Kentucky butter cakes. Oh. So that might that might have topped the gumbo as far as best thing I tasted yesterday. That cake is hard to beat.
1: What about you, Chuck? Well, I enjoyed uh, some shrimp sliders and um, some meatball sliders. They were both good. Some etouffee. That was really Ooh. good. hmm but I really think my favorite was a cracker with some guacamole dip and then a piece of shrimp on top of that. That was a big league. Yeah, you guys had wow. some seafood yesterday. Yeah, I mean, it was uh, it was a big day for
3: food. Cracker, guacamole, and shrimp. I've, I've never considered that. Well,
1: you know, it was just one of those things I kind of threw together on the spur of the moment. And uh, it sounded good at the time, and it was good. Chuck Barrett, food innovator. It's, uh, well, that's right. Yeah. You just start throwing everything together. You yeah. know how it is, and uh, that's kind of what I did. That sounds good.
2: I would say mine was probably pigs in a blanket. There was a
1: quite. It oh, sounds yeah. like all you
2: guys had quite a spread yesterday, and I was seeing different pictures and whatnot. People love to post their food pics and do the little slideshow yeah. on Super Bowl Sunday of what they made. You've having, we I smoke. didn't
3: do that. Yeah, I, we didn't do that, but I smoked some wings yesterday. You'd like that. We had a little little smoked wing action, so. Finished them we had
1: off with some his, smoked the, thighs. We had some smoked cool. chicken thighs. thighs are good.
2: The best. Well, outside of the the great food we we had yesterday, uh, like you said, Chuck, that game delivered. I mean, it was awesome. I mean, yeah, the three point game. Mahomes leads his team down the stretch. Butker kind of redeems himself after doinking one in the first half. I mean, I know for Kansas City Chiefs fans, you're thrilled this morning. But if you watched the game and you weren't just there for the party, you were treated a a heck of a game
1: oh it's a good game i mean it was a it was a close game and i think that's what people wanted more than anything and uh you know it was uh it was hotly contested the whole game there were big calls big plays and it was uh you know it had all the drama you expect from a super bowl yeah
3: well maybe one of the biggest plays in hindsight was when jalen hurts just simply dropped the football right and uh gets returned and and that that in the end, in the final analysis, proves to be a huge play.
2: It's similar to, oh, it was what, a big play. Yeah, It was similar to what Mahomes did against the Bengals in the AFC Championship game. It ended up not costing them, but you had just that lost grip of the ball almost. Yeah. And that ball, you know, what's crazy about that game last night? Three of the first four touchdowns were scored by former SEC players: Nick Bolden, former Missouri. Linebacker AJ Brown, former Ole Miss, and you could say Jalen Hurts being an Alabama and an Oklahoma guy, but the SEC was on display last night. Well, here's the deal.
1: Here's the deal. Kansas City scored on every possession in the second half, and when you do that in a Super Bowl against a great defense, most of the time you're going to win. You know, I know those were big plays. You know, and Philadelphia played really well in the first half, but you know, Kansas City was just outstanding offensively in the second half. And everybody talked about the big matchup was going to be Kansas City's offensive line against the Eagles' defensive line. Well, Kansas City won it. Maybe not by a long shot, but they won that battle. You could tell
3: after the game, and they were having to to bleep a lot, not bleep, but but duck the, the audio out because there was things being said that couldn't air. But you could tell by Kelsey's uh, interview when he, he stepped in there with Mahomes and they were doing the on-field stuff you could see that they took that personal this week, that everyone was writing Kansas City off at the line of scrimmage, that, um, you know, everyone had kind of given the Eagles the Super Bowl in in their mind. And that's what competitors do. But, Chuck, you could tell there was a chip on their shoulder about the conversation. He looked right in the camera, and I don't know who he was pointing to, but he was talking about nobody giving them a chance. I don't know if that's necessarily true, but that was the mindset they had.
1: I thought the Chiefs should have acted like they'd been there before. After the game, I was disappointed in their reaction. I thought Kelsey went over the top. Uh, I thought some of the things he said were really inappropriate. Uh, no class. I thought he uh, should have been a lot better than that after the game. Now I know that the victor goes the spoils. I understand that, but act like you've done it before. If this is your second championship and you're a dynasty, as you you know are going to begin to call yourselves, you need to act like that. Uh, The world did not pick against the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, They were not doubted by everybody. Uh, This idea that somehow... Now, I understand the us against the world mentality. I understand all that. Um, And that's how you win games a lot of the time. But, you know, I mean, after the ball game, to look into the camera and say some of the things he said, I mean, again, I mean, you're you're a professional football player. You just won your second Super Bowl championship in the last four years. Um, act like you expect it.
2: What do you think the conversation was like between him and his brother, Jason, who is the all-pro well, center Well, basically, the Philadelphia we League. saw
1: that. <laughs> mm-hmm. I that, mean, or, all you got to do is read the internet. I mean, it's all right
2: there. You think uh, there might have been a, a little tussle after the game between that. I, I, to, to your point, Chuck, I mean, isn't that Kelsey's M.O.? I mean, he's chirping at the Cincinnati mayor. I understand following.
1: all that. I understand all that. And look, I like Kelsey. I think Kelsey's a great player. I'm like everybody else. Every time they throw to him, it's like, how did he get that open? I mean, uh, how come nobody can cover that guy? He's a great player. He's a great player. And um, I just think some of that stuff was over the top. That's my opinion. If I sound like an old old man for saying it, I'll I'll just have to plead guilty. He's a former
2: quarterback, so he knows how to read coverages really well. And him and Mahomes just have this kinetic or this energy and this symmetry that is just unbelievable. They seem to have this just always connection on the football field. And he was one of the big reasons that Kansas City was able to do it. But, I mean, he can't – we're a couple minutes into this conversation. Mahomes is just – He's just unbelievable, man. And if you're not a Kansas City Chiefs fan, it is so difficult to go up against him because he wants to pre- it's not like Hurts played bad. I mean, you mentioned the fumble, but over other oh, than Hertz that – Hurts played great. Hurts really played good great. Three rushing touchdown. Yeah. That was – ties a record, but – It's just – it's Mahomes. You, you give him that final possession. It's it's curtains, man.
1: It's curtains. He's uh, – he's, he's otherworldly. I mean, and, you know, again, like you say, I mean, you don't give him the ball in that situation I mean you give Mahomes a ball in that situation and I mean you can just chalk it up you can get dressed because he's going to score and um, they were great I mean Chiefs were great they're down 10 and um, you know I know Eagles fans were feeling good and uh, they should have been I mean they, they they played a great first half but Kansas City turned it on after halftime. They were clearly the better team in the third and fourth quarters.
2: So you mentioned dynasty. When I think about dynasties in football recently, it's been the New England Patriots. I know Brad Shaw and the Steelers back in the day, Aikman, Smith, Irvin, and the uh, Dallas Cowboys. You had a combo of Montana and Young with the 49ers. I guess you say Elway to a certain extent with the Broncos. I mean, three Super Bowls, four years, two wins in those years. AFC Championship, I think the last five, I remember that, right? I mean, Kansas City's entering some well, well, some pretty premier territory. So right So, what now. is
3: the baseline? What what is the what is the price of entry to being called a dynasty? Is it is it three and four well, I winning see. two of four? I mean, what what is? I what, would what say qualifies? going from
1: three to four, going going. Uh, what was it? You said three out of the last four tied, having mm-hmm. one two. I think that qualifies. It's really hard. I mean, it's 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 not like. You know, UCLA basketball, or it's, it's, uh, you know, it's, it, it's not like one of those 10 year things like the Bulls, but, you know, you look at the, at, at, at the shelf life of great teams in the NFL, it's not that long. Um, you know, the, the, the Steelers had a great dynasty and the Cowboys had a run there and the Dolphins have had runs, but, um, yeah, I think they qualify. Certainly, uh, certainly they're the AFC dynasty.
3: I think dynasties, uh, in my mind, you measure over about a six-season period, something like that. Okay. I mean, you just go back as you just mentioned some eras there with the Cowboys. Well, the how Patriots
1: long was, have redefined dynasty. Yeah, the Patriots have redefined it. It may be a double
3: dynasty, but you know, most, a lot of those over time, when you look and what what some of these teams did, they came in about five to eight year windows, and you know father time catches up the game of football has the realities of what injury and age will do to you so you know the the idea of a 10 or 12 year period is just
1: not reality oh not in football no. not not in professional football nope now maybe in college football but not in professional football the way the structure's set up it's right. just virtually impossible to pull off that's really what makes what the patriots did so remarkable, because it was done in an era where the system was designed to prevent that. And they did it anyway. And so, you know, um, I personally think dynasties are good for sports. I think they're good for professional sports. I think you have to have a Goliath to knock off. And, um, you know, I don't know that we mentioned Kansas City. In fact, I know we don't mention Kansas City in the same breath yet with New England. Or, or maybe even the Steelers of the 70s. But you know, this is still a—I mean, it's 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 certainly the premier franchise in the AFC right now, and I won't say by a long shot. But they've they've earned the title of the premier franchise in the AFC, and you can argue they're the you know they're the premier franchise in football. I'm going to be interested to see if Andy Reid rides off into the sunset. You know, if this is it for Big Red, or if he comes back. I know what he said. But I know there have been reports to the contrary, too. And you wouldn't expect him to say anything other than what he said last night. Yeah. So, you know, that'll be interesting to watch. You know, you,
3: you made an interesting comment there about the system set up to prevent what happened with the Patriots or maybe even what's unfolding with the Chiefs. You know, you have a, a draft where the worst teams pick first. You have a salary cap. You have all of these things in place, like you said, to create parity amongst the 32 teams. And then somehow you you know you get an elite talent like Mahomes and you put the right pieces around well, him and, and that's what you do.
1: That's 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 how you beat that system. Right. Is you is you have a generational quarterback. Um, the Patriots had it with Brady and the Chiefs had it uh, have it with Mahomes. You know Hurts is a great quarterback. I don't know that you can talk about him in that breath right now. And um you know it's a quarterback's league, man. I mean it is a quarterback's league and it's amazing the guys that uh, guys that put the rings on. I mean, they're the great quarterbacks, and uh, Mahomes certainly qualifies. I mean, he's a he's a generational guy.
2: I think he's a good face for the NFL. I'm not a huge fan of his wife or his brother, but I from like as a Packers guy, I mean, and I love Aaron Rodgers as a football player. I don't like Aaron Rodgers necessarily as a person. I think it's weird. I think he does stuff that's uh, irritating to the fan base and the team. But Mahomes seems to. Do everything right on and off the field, and I think. Hey, how about good.
1: the two oh two on the national anthem? Let's get to the real stuff. Oh. Last night, let's get to the prop bets. And uh, that was uh, over. <laughs> he blew it away, man. You know, I had a friend that had the uh, had the stopwatch going, and uh, it was pretty obvious early on he was going to go past one thirty five.
3: That was at first ten seconds. You know, as slow as he was going, I haven't read one opinion or one review that didn't think he had mixed opinions about halftime. I've read nothing that didn't think Chris Stapleton wasn't just awesome on the national anthem.
1: I thought all of it was good. I, I, I just think the Super Bowl's... Uh, I mean, it's the greatest show in sports. It's the greatest show in sports. And it delivered last night. What did you think of Rihanna? He said, mix your I, I mean,
3: I I don't have it. I mean, it, it was an over-the-top... It's not my kind of music. I'm not going to hate on it. It wasn't designed for me. It was it was a good show. I mean, I, I'm st- I was wondering at first with all those whatever platforms or whatever, you know, is that real or is that computer generated? I mean, I wasn't sure for a while, you know, you know, and then it was pretty clear that that was pretty awesome. It's, it's amazing the designs and I don't know how much money they spent just being able to do that. I mean, that, that isn't cheap, but I'm still trying to figure out the engineering, wasn't that, wasn't the roof open? I guess there's a, yeah. you know, all the pulleys and whatever up there, but that, that wasn't a, a an easy feat to pull off what they did with all those.
1: Elevated platforms. You clear. know, one thing, I don't know if a lot of people know this, the performers do not get paid at the Super Bowl. You don't make a nickel for doing that. But if you go back and you look over the last five years or so at what happens with these artists just the next day in terms of uh, uh, what is sold, social media, all the things that happen as a result of this, I promise you Chris Stapleton tour dates – were uh, Googled like crazy, right? You know, probably before the national anthem was over. And I know that is Rihanna pregnant was the uh, uh you know was the probably the most Googled thing last night. The we talked yes. about the ball game until we're blue in the face. But what makes the Super Bowl the Super Bowl is all the other stuff that comes with it. How you expand your audience beyond football people. Most of the people that watched the Super Bowl last night couldn't care less who won the game. And uh, that's what the Super Bowl is, and that's what they do better than any other sport, any other event. There's nothing out there that uh, draws the people in like the Super Bowl.
2: Sure, seemed like Stapleton moved Nick Sirianni. Did you see y'all yep. catch the tears that mm-hmm. he was? I thought that was a really cool moment. And
3: what well, second year head coach to mm-hmm. be
2: in that moment. Pretty emotional for uh, for that situation. Now, I, I don't remember this year. When did Prince do the halftime show? That's what RJ's texting it about. That was still well, his favorite. I don't favorite.
1: remember what year. I don't remember the year. He
2: was, uh that's still his favorite. Do you guys have a favorite halftime performance
1: from any? Well, see, the thing you got to understand, Ty, is halftime performances are geared to people like you. Yeah. They're not geared to people like me. There's not been anybody that, plays music from my era <laughs> since my, i don't know the rolling stones uh, u too you know some of those bands that's what takes me back to my youth i i i didn't listen to rihanna you know because i was an adult by the time yeah. that you know i was i was past the hot hits by the time yeah. she came around so i was on to the oldie station by the time she came in <laughs> so um, yeah, you know, it's just not geared toward me.
3: We were having this discussion before the game even started why, why they never feature a country music act at halftime of the Super Bowl. It just never happens. And you're, are you telling me that if Garth Brooks did
2: halftime? I think the reports are that Garth doesn't want to because he wants to get paid. That's like Chuck I mean, just said, you don't get paid. There's,
3: or- there's plenty of others that would. I mean, you know, Garth is just the first name you would mention. He's Tom Brady of, of country mm-hmm. music right now. So, I mean, but they never, ever... Ever.
1: Peter. you got to have a mega, mega, mega star. And um, country music is a, you know, in our part of the world, to be great. I don't know if coast to coast it has the same appeal of some of the acts that they put on.
2: So who would that be, Tommy? Who do you think that would be as Tuck said, kind of the, what fits that
3: mold? Well, Garth is the number one. I mean, he you know, and then from there you could argue. I mean, I would put George Strait, but I mean, he's probably not as wide appealing. That appeals to me and Clay Henry. <laughs> I don't know that it to everybody.
1: see I would submit to you you'll have more eyes on an artist like Rihanna than you would on Garth Brooks. Oh I, I Well, no because people uh um a lot of people, you know, just like everything else, you 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 know, you watch what you want to watch. Sometimes you love it to hate it and uh you know, they are uh, they know what they're doing. I I I mean, it's not by accident. My my theory
3: is this. Somewhere, someone has a research report that says country music fans already like football. You don't need to put Garth Brooks on at halftime to get them to watch the Super Bowl. That's probably a good point. My daughter, who's 11, she didn't watch one second of the game intense. She laid on the couch and watched her phone. But when halftime came around, my 11 year old was tuned in. Phone went down, eyes on TV. So the idea and the reason they have a mega star and what they do is to bring people in that For don't sure. care about the game.
2: Are, I think probably most people that love country music the way I do are going to watch the game regardless. I heard people saying that the uh, a football game inter- interrupted a Rihanna concert. Yeah. some people were saying that's
3: fine. I mean, I, I, you know,
2: if you don't like it, get up
3: and go get some more gumbo. That's that's all I can tell you. You know, go get another uh, uh, avocado
2: shrimp cracker, and you'll be that's you'll, right. You'll be just fine.
1: So that's right. I would highly recommend it.
2: Real quick before we switch to the basketball game, Eric texted in, he's from Greenwood, that his son was on the USS Carl Vinson during the National Anthem when they were um, doing That's that, awesome. That's, that's a, awesome. It's a great uh, It's a great look, Eric. We appreciate you sharing it with that with us this morning. Again, I thought start to finish, Fox did a great job with that telecast last night. I thought it was well put together for, and what, it's a Super Bowl, so I know there's a lot of eyes, but I thought they did a great job. What did you
3: guys think of, of the broadcast team and, Kevin Burkhart, Greg Olson.
2: I thought Olson was great. I think I think Olson has been great all season for Fox. And he's, he'll have it next year. And then Brady is supposed to get in 2024. We'll see if that actually comes. But I thought Olson's been great all year. I read
3: something this morning. I read it on Facebook. So I'm going to assume it's it's factual. But it may not be on Kevin Burkhart. That 18 years ago, dude was calling high school games, making less than 20000 a year, and working at a car dealership to supplement his income just to make his mortgage. That was 18 years ago. And here, fast forward 18 years, Chuck, and he's doing the Super Bowl. If that's true, that's a remarkable story.
1: Well, it is remarkable, and I don't think it's all that uncommon. Um, I thought they were fine last night. Now, you know, we we grow accustomed to the megastars being in the broadcast booth, too. And I don't know if either one of these guys qualify yet doesn't mean they won't be there someday but it, it's, you know, for, for for Fox it's been ushering in a new generation uh, because, you know uh, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman had done the biggest games for them for a long time and, you know, before that they were set with Summerall and Madden so, you know, they've had generational guys there in that booth and those guys are not generational guys yet but I thought they did fine last night and and um, i, I I I don't have any complaints about anything.
2: I know Arkansas fans had some complaints with how they played on Saturday. It was, again, I was very surprised at how Mississippi State came in shooting great, really, in that first half. Chuck, what was your overall takeaway from the game?
1: Well, it was not a good day. It was not a good day. Arkansas did not play well. Uh, Mississippi State's better than people have given them credit for. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, they'd won four in a row, too they played a really good defensive game they played a really good defensive game and you know arkansas got beat to the rim a lot on the other end and and i don't really have a good explanation for it um but they got they repeatedly got beat um on the uh on the defensive end and i didn't see any of that coming guys i gotta be honest i didn't see one bit of that coming i thought there would be uh Uh, I thought there'd be a fun Saturday for everybody, and it just didn't work out that way. Full
3: house, one of the biggest crowds of the year, Nick Smith Jr. back. And you know, I don't know that the mindset was that, hey, you'll be fine with Nick Smith back. Everything's going to be great, but I'm not saying that's why the team played the way they did. But it, it should be clear and evident to everyone, Nick Smith's return to the floor and to this roster does not mean everything is going to be fine automatically.
1: Well, as we said last week, it's not about Nick Smith. It's about the Razorbacks. I thought Nick did fine. I I don't think Nick playing had one thing to do with Arkansas getting beat. I don't think it had one thing to do with what happened Saturday. I agree. Um, You go back and watch that game again, (laughs) it wasn't Nick Smith getting beat. Um, You know, there are lots of other guys that were getting beat. And um, I thought he was fine, and I think he'll get better as we go along. But it's about the team. It's not about the individual. Yeah. The reality is,
3: Devo's played very well in a lot of games. Saturday was not a highlight day for Devo. I mean that that was that that's the reality, and that doesn't take away from what he's meant to this team to get him even to the point where they're at. But um, Devo did not have his best day on Saturday.
2: Him and Ricky didn't shoot the ball well, but what was so weird is that Jimbo, or excuse me, Jimbo was texting in. Devo's getting backdoored. He was getting beat. I mean, you just don't mm-hmm. you haven't consistently seen Devonte Davis getting taken to the rim like you're saying, Chuck. But Saturday it was. It was really it was almost unexplainable how many times it happened i was relative-
1: stunned i was stunned i did not expect it didn't surprise me necessarily mississippi state played a great game and won the game i'm not saying that i'm not surprised anytime when uh, somebody upset somebody but the manner in which it happened that surprised me yeah i mean it uh you know it makes makes this week's game with a&m paramount and in-
3: Certainly makes next weekend uh, a bigger deal with Florida coming in. I mean, you, you've kind of given away your last your last token on your home floor, and uh, you're going to get to where you got to be to be in this tournament uh, with a seed, and you give up a, a chance to be in in the fourth spot in the league or at least tied for it with the with the loss Saturday. Still a lot to play for, Chuck. But uh, oh, yeah. kind of gave away what little bit of edge you had with home court edge.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't think necessarily, I mean, we feel like it was a really bad loss. I don't think from a metric standpoint it'll prove to be a terrible loss because I think Mississippi State may find a way to get in. But um, it was a very disappointing loss the way it happened. Hey, it's Phil Elson. From all these years watching baseball, I've grown accustomed to watching closers in their element. James Teague isn't closing innings anymore. He's closing cases. With almost 30 years in the business, Teague Law Firm is a general practice firm that can help you with most family law issues, divorce, custody, and child support.
0: They can also help with criminal law, both felonies and misdemeanors. Call James and the Teague Law Firm at 479-531-2785. 531-2785. Online at teague-law.com. The Teague Law Firm, if they can't help you, they'll talk baseball.
2: Bet online remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season, everything from the NFL and Bowl season to esports. You'll find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. We're the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite leagues and events. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive a fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code Believe to receive your rewards. That's B L E A V. Bet online, where the game starts.
0: You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics.
2: Pete has done a fantastic job in Tuscaloosa this season. I think that's pretty. Evident based on the way they played, but what are some other things as we're getting closer to the SEC tournament that has stood out in SEC play thus far?
3: A M's for real. I mean, people wanted to say, well, they're easy schedule. You know, AM's won some games that, that make you take notes. So are they the best team in this league? No. Are they number two in this league? No. But you know, Chuck, they're a
1: solid top four team in this league. Yeah, I mean, I think A and M, you know, their record speaks for itself in terms of conference play. Now you know they've got some issues in terms of their non-conference schedule and who they lost to and all that and uh, that may come back to bite them as we move forward in terms of the NCAA tournament. But yeah, they're a good team. I mean right now they' you know they're playing they're not Alabama's level, but you know you'd put them up against anybody else in the league right now. that's for sure.
2: You've got that four spot. For the SEC tournament, wide open right now. Missouri, Auburn, Kentucky all tied at 7-5. and five. You went on Saturday. You would have been tied with them, but you're tied with now Vanderbilt and Florida at 6-6. Six and six. So, guys, with six conference games remaining, Arkansas still has a chance to get that four seed. That's going to be tough based on the schedule that they have remaining, but uh, that are, there's still a chance for that to happen in the coming weeks.
1: There's a lot to play for. And, you know, you uh, as we discovered after the win over Kentucky, um you know nothing lasts forever good or bad and that's the thing about playing twice a week you know and uh, generally one of them's on the road i mean you've got uh, you better be able to turn the page really quickly and i would expect arkansas to come out and play a much more spirited game wednesday night how
2: about the two buzzer beaters tennessee loses
1: by last week oh. Vanderbilt oh, earlier it.
2: and then Missouri. to lose at home when you're up two and for Missouri to drill a three at the tail end of that game, I mean, if not you're, just
3: a three that had some distance, yeah. It
2: too Rick Barnes, I mean, that it for to have to sit in the locker room with your team after the game, two buzzer beaters. That's that's not easy for any coach.
3: I'm gonna tell you, this is gonna be a wild. It appears to me this has the potential to be a very wild Nashville SEC tournament this mm-hmm, year. Yep. I mean, the old Houston nut phrase: anybody can beat anybody. I think, with the exception of Alabama, so far that's what we're seeing. And Chuck, I think if if you've got the full sessions, all sessions ticket, you're going to be entertained this year in Nashville. From what I'm seeing here, with you know five or six games to go,
1: whatever it is. I I'd agree with that. I think uh, you know everybody goes to the tournament. I say everybody. Teams go to tournaments with different agendas. You know, Alabama. It appears, uh, if things hold as they are, they've got a chance to go into Nashville with the idea, or maybe even with the certainty, that they're going to be a number one seed. Uh, regardless of what happens, uh, I think Alabama's in a position. Particularly if they, uh, you know, if they finish 15 and one, 16 and 0 in the league, um, I think they're a number one seed. Regardless of what happens in Nashville, so um, you know, what's Tennessee's situation there? What's Arkansas's situation there? What's Texas a and ms situation? Auburn, you know, Auburn's reeling a little bit right now. Yeah, I think there's the potential for a wide-open tournament, and, and everybody's got some players. Everybody's got some guys who can take over a game. So, and, and, you know, weird things happen at conference tournaments too. You guys
2: surprised Kentucky lost to Georgia? I figured no, they'd bounce back. No,
1: I'm not. Um, you know, you could tell, I mean, early in that ball game, I mean, what, Georgia beat them back door and dunked on, what, the first play? <laughs> I mean, it was, uh, no, nah, they've got some issues right there. Yeah. Uh, you know, Calipari's always been really good at getting his teams to play. You know, getting his teams to play hard. And um, I watched a good bit of that game, and I didn't see a team that played hard.
3: that take anything away from the win there on
1: Tuesday night? Well, when you lose at home, yeah, it takes something away from it. I mean,
3: Kentucky losing to... To Georgia does that does that take away from what Arkansas
1: well I, I I I think and you know we talked about this some last Wednesday I mean as much as we enjoy beating Kentucky that was not you know a vintage Kentucky team and um they've got some issues I mean they've got issues right now I don't know if they're going to make the tournament so you know there's um there's still a lot for them to do so does it take something away from Arkansas's win metrically yeah probably so but I don't, I don't think it takes away the, the fun of beating Kentucky. All
3: right, that's your Red River Dodge Morning Rush daily question. Red River Dodge in Heber Springs. They are Arkansas's number one Ram dealer. Log on at RedRiverDodge.com.
0: This hour of Chuck Barrett on the Morning Rush is presented by Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Professional people, professional service. Schedule your service appointment today at Copascal.com. So
2: I had some friends in Kansas City last night and the scene there was pretty spectacular. Also had some friends that were in Philadelphia last night. Guys they're still uh still He's doing got somewhere everywhere, don't you? Uh rioting to a certain extent in, in Philadelphia, but not the uh not the expectation that you had with after a win they're flipping cards and stuff, but they were still mad last night after that loss doing some crazy typical Philadelphia stuff.
1: Oh, this happens. I mean it happens after Super Bowls. I mean it um, unfortunately You know, the team that, you know, the winners and the losers tend to, you know, show their backside sometimes in this, but um, I'm not surprised.
3: Well, I mean, I've never understood the desire to burn something after a win or a loss, but, uh, you know, I guess that's what you do. You get caught up in the mob mentality, and, you know, Philadelphia, for the first two quarters of that game, you thought, well, they're they're going to score another touchdown or maybe another 10 points, and they're going to salt this thing away, and they just couldn't do it. You, You know, it's kind of a... I don't want to say a tale of two halves kind of game, but, you know, the first half was about the Eagles, and the second half, where it counted, was, was
2: Mahomes and the Chiefs and scoring every possession. How much, you, and this is still Dallas Cowboys state and Cowboy country, but how much of the, has the Chiefs' success impacted our state in terms of the number of fans that are Chiefs relative to Cowboys? I still think Jerry and company wins that battle, but have we seen a shift?
1: In Arkansas, oh, well, I think there are front runners everywhere. You know, guys. you know, you got
3: them here too. Yeah, I mean, been a lot more Chiefs stuff that ten years ago wasn't around. Mm-hmm. You know, people people weren't talking about the Chiefs, and it's just it's just human nature. When they started winning, when Mahomes got there, a lot of people hustled
2: and rolled, there, got a high ankle sprain themselves catching the bandwagon. <laughs> well, if you missed Mitch Holt this call last night at the end of the game, here's the voice of the Chiefs after the win.
1: Chiefs thirty eight. And the Eagles 35. Six seconds left in Super Bowl 57 regulation.
3: Hertz takes the snap. The Chiefs. Only rushing two on a delay. Clock is going to be out of time and the pass is going to
1: be underthrown! It's incomplete! It's incomplete! Everyone, everyone who claims the Chiefs Kingdom will raise a banner above the National Football League again for the second time in four seasons. The Lombardi Trophy has a red and gold reflection. A big, red reflection. The Chiefs
2: champions of Super Bowl 57 if I had to guess he probably had that made out and this is Chuck you were talking with John Morris the voice of the Baylor Bears about this and uh, give me the hogs Chuck podcast a couple ones ago and just to win a national championship as a broadcaster and to be a part of that it, it, it's something that everyone wants to get at some point and for Holthus to have two of the last three I mean that's pretty it's pretty cool from a broadcasting standpoint
1: yeah, I mean to be in that spot, you know. Sometimes you catch lightning in a bottle in your career, and you have, um, you know, you have the good fortune of being the broadcaster for a team during perhaps their greatest era, and that's where he is right now. And he's, uh, I know, you know, when he said what he said right there, I mean, he's speaking for every Chiefs fan out there, and that's that's what you're supposed to do.
2: Did you guys like any commercial particularly? I didn't think a single commercial really uh. stood out. I- I, I thought mean, two of them. I, I, which I'm a Caddyshack like? fan, so the Michelob
3: Ultra okay. commercial that was, you know, had Tony Romo as Carl Spackler, and I, you know, I, I that one made me chuckle. I thought the one towards the end, uh, I guess, was for Tubi, one of the apps. Now that was attention getting because for a minute I thought, well, and I knew no one had touched the remotes because they were next to me. But Chuck, I guarantee you, people were kids, parents were screaming at kids, people were screaming across the room, and everyone thought someone had messed. With the remote right in the middle of the Super Bowl,
1: yeah, you know, I was uh, I was a little let down by the commercials last night. Mm-hmm. To be honest with you, I, I was I was uh, I found them underwhelming. Uh, there were some good ones here and there, some clever ones, but I don't think there was anything that really, you know, we're going to be talking about that. Sometimes you'll have a Super Bowl commercial that kind of changes the vernacular for a week or two, or maybe even longer than that. But but I didn't I didn't see anything like that last night. I'm a sucker for dog videos, so. I like that uh, dog commercial toward the end there where they, uh, you know, the dog's there in the house doing everything with them and then they let the puppy out of the kennel. I kind of like that one.
2: I always like the Christmas Budweiser commercial with the dog and the the horse and I know there's a specific specific name for that horse. Yeah, the Clydesdales. I always think those are the those are my favorite commercials each and every
1: time. Yeah, they were pushing Michelob Ultra this time though. You didn't see the King of Beers I don't think.
2: Mm-mm. No, they're uh, I guess they're really trying to sell them. I know that's a big golf beer but I guess they're, they're trying
3: to They're selling a lot of Michelob Ultra uh, evidently these days. I think it's their number one seller now. Is uh, it- Yeah, it is.
2: I saw the stat. Um, I mean, you think about the combination of the Waste Management Open and the Super Bowl being in the same weekend in the Scottsdale, Glendale, Phoenix area. I mean, can you imagine the amount of beer? I, I can't remember the number exactly, but the amount of beer that was sold this weekend was
3: insane. Oh, let's me, can you imagine just trying to get a hotel room, a, um, a dinner reservation? Normally, it's hard enough just the Super Bowl, but then you add that other event. Scottsdale and Phoenix are not very far apart. Yeah, that would be... Uh, that would be an impossible city to navigate this last
1: week. I saw where the um, the cheapest, and I'm sure it was more motel than hotel, but uh, the cheapest motel in uh, the Phoenix area was $452. Oh, my gosh. Uh, this, this, this past weekend, and that was probably in the worst part of town, too. Golly.
2: Did you and Derek ever do this Super Bowl weekend a nope. year? Okay, I had
3: I wouldn't mind going for Super Bowl week and then leaving on Friday. I have no desire to stay and go through the rigmarole of the game itself.
2: Just do Radio Road. Chuck, have you ever been in the Super Bowl?
1: No, no, never been. I just,
2: again, we talked about this a little on Friday. I'd rather just watch it on television. Now, there are some events that I'd love to go to, Final Four, College Football National Championship, and others, but it's just never it feels like a big corporate thing to me and i don't i don't know how much fun i'd actually. Uh, hopefully it be well a good game. i mean
1: final four is pretty corporate too but if your teams there it's great uh, you know i think if you're um, you know if you're a rabid fan of a team and in a lot of places you know the nfl comes first for football fans and if you're a rabid fan you know you think about if if arkansas was playing in the national championship game out in pasadena california hey, there'd be a lot of Razorback fans who'd find a way to get there, and they'd pay whatever they had to pay to go. And, for, you know, if you're an NFL fan and uh, you follow your team the way we follow ours in college, then, yeah, you'd find a way to go. But it's never been a burning desire for me.
3: Let's just be honest. Name me anything where the in-stadium or on-course or in-the-venue experience is better than TV. I mean, TV provides you a better seat, replay, it's just, I mean, there's a reason why it is the way it is. I mean, as much as I love Augusta national watching a golf tournament on the course is, is nothing compared to watching on no. TV where you hold a hole and you don't miss anything. So, I mean, uh, the super bowl is the same way. Uh, even if you had
1: 20 rows up at the 50 yard line, the home view and experience is still better. Did you see the article about the three gentlemen? Obviously they're older, Old, I guess would be the best way to put it, that have been to all 57 Super Bowls. Wow. There are three known living men who have been to all 57 of the Super Bowls, and they have a photograph obviously made every year, and they did yesterday. And I was sitting there thinking, wow, what they have seen mm-hmm. over the course of 57 Super Bowls. Just In, incredible.
3: Just the uh, at the coin toss where they showed the picture of the yeah. of Super Bowl one, and there was yeah. the captains and one referee, and now there's you know 50 people. Out of midfield, yeah.
1: you know, just—it's incredible. Yeah. it's incredible what's happened. Hey guys, let me stop just for a second and talk about my friends at Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. One thing I'm really thankful for right now is a hot shower. You know, is there anything worse than a cold shower? Uh, no. I mean, really, particularly no. this time of year. The only thing worse might be water heater damage. I mean, that's a bad deal this time of year too. If it's time for a new water heater, you deserve the best. And right now, you can take $150 off a new tank water heater or you can upgrade to endless hot water with a tankless water heater, and you can get $300 off. So don't settle for good when you can have the best. And, you know, when we talk about Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric, we're talking about an Arkansas-owned company, our friend Charlie Boyce, back, great. Uh, the proprietor, and I mean, he's got a terrific staff there. Uh, they understand their business. They really do. Charlie's third generation in terms of his family being an HVAC operator. And you can schedule today at gopascal.com. Professional people, professional service, Pascal Air, Plumbing, and Electric.
3: I remember growing up, we didn't have, you know, there weren't tankless water heaters. And man, if you were the last in the shower oh, in the morning. It's brutal. Oh, it's cold you didn't want, you didn't, so that tankless is the way to go.
2: We had summer camp and we were limited to like two minute showers because I think they were kind of that yeah. situation where they hadn't in, improved anything. So we had the counselors yelling at us to get out because otherwise the, the, the
1: hot water should just mm. be gone. Pretty they early. wanted to make sure there was hot water left for them. Yes, <laughs> exactly. That was, that was what they were most well, concerned Well, it's hard about. enough to get a
2: 12 year old to take a shower anyway, so cold water is not going to help it you still do you still have that issue uh, i know that was something my dad struggled with me and my brother when we were kind of in our you guess, know, elementary age as
3: but, a junior high boy further inter middle school boy for, further discovers the the opposite sex they uh, the, the desire to shower and do uh embrace personal hygiene changes <laughs> I, i've learned that in my house
2: oh man uh Good old Dylan. Dylan. Transition, I like that. Uh, Guys, Arkansas' transition game against Kentucky on Tuesday night was the best it was all season. They didn't have a ton of fast breaks. If you look at the box score, really – not a ton of difference, except for the three-point shooting. Mississippi State goes 6-for-10. Arkansas goes 4-for-18. And Anthony Black said it was because of their defense on Saturday.
4: Nah, it was us defensively. You see the teams we've played and, and held to fewer points and worse percentages, and you, and you see them. Like they're, they're a good team, too, but you see teams, we pros, and we're holding them to less points. So... That's on us. Like they're a good team, yeah, they play hard, they do all that, but it's on us. It's on our defense and we just we just didn't get done today.
2: I really liked what he said in the press conference. He kept coming back to him. He also pointed out himself in certain situations, but uh they took it on the chin on Saturday and now they again, I don't really need time to think about that. You got A and M who's third in the league that you got to beat on Saturday or on Wednesday night.
1: Yeah, I mean it was disappointing. Uh I, I didn't see that coming. I'm gonna be honest. I didn't I did not see that coming. Um, you know, Mississippi State, if I read right, uh, it's the first time they've scored 70 points since early December. Uh, but, you know, they, uh, they, they locked the other guys down. I mean, they've been giving up 58 a game. So, you know, their defensive performance, if you look at what they've done recently, not that surprising. I mean, they won five in a row now. They beat TCU when they were ranked number 11. You know, we remember how they took Alabama to the wire. They've not lost since. So uh, they're a team trying to play their way into the NCAA tournament, and that's what I saw Saturday. You know, we tend to focus on our team, and that's understandable, but, um, you know, I saw a team in Mississippi State that was fighting for their postseason, and they played defense like a team that wanted to get there. Uh, they're not a great offensive team. They're just not. The, uh, the only way they're going to score the way they did Saturday is if they beach off back cuts and... You know, and they did that a lot on, uh, on uh, Saturday. So you know, I, I thought you know, Mississippi State played a great game, but I did not expect to see that happen in, in, in terms of the way it all played out.
2: Yeah. felt like a, just a disappointment for the fans and attendance because I think they were so expect and you you just brought up some great points the fact that, I mean, it's not like that was a, a bum team blocking it, but one four straight wins, one of the best teams in all of college basketball on defense. but I think just the expectation with Nick coming back and heading into that game with your win streak of five straight conference wins, he expected to just win as a fan and you got to remember, I saw Mississippi State from the opening tip be physical with Arkansas and it took them a little bit to kind of feel that out.
1: Well, you look at the final numbers, and, um, you know, I'm not picking on anybody, but, you know, the numbers are what they are. I mean, you know, Devo and Council combined were 3 for 17. You know, and you look at the other side, and, I mean, Davis is 6 for 11, and Moore is 5 for 11. Um, You know, Moore scores 12, 2 of 2 from beyond the arc. Davis is 2 of 3 from beyond the arc. Um, you know, Arkansas's guards didn't post those kind of numbers. And I'm not saying that's where the game was won or lost. I'm not suggesting that. But I'm saying when you look at, you know, um, a lot of the numbers in the game, they they favored Mississippi State. That's why they won. But I thought the numbers for their guards stood out. Four of the last five. I heard you mention this a
3: couple of times towards the end of the broadcast that Mississippi State had has now won four of the last five of Bud Walton. Why do you think it is they, they seemingly have the Hogs number at
1: home? Well, I think part of that circumstance, I mean, they, they won six in a row. Arkansas had won two of three, I guess, coming into this. But, um, um, you know, Mississippi State had won six in a row prior to that, and they, they're always better than you think they are. I mean, they are. And, and you look at the series, and Arkansas has always struggled to win in the hump, and uh, they'd always struggled to win in Bud Walton until lately. Um, you know, they've still, I think only won here eight times in conference play, but they, um, um, you know, Hey, they just came in and won Saturday. I, I don't, I don't think there's any, you know, real reason why they you know, won more than they've lost lately. Other than, you know, they, they, they just played better. Some of those years they had better teams.
2: I was at a party on Saturday and I'd fall the game. The question got posed to me several times is Arkansas still an NCAA tournament team and yes. I responded, yes, and I pointed out several reasons why. But I, I think some fans were asking that question following the game and what what they appeared as a puzzling loss.
1: And well, but, you know, that's just the ebb and the flow of a season. On mm-hmm. Wednesday morning, we were trying to figure out if Arkansas could get to a sixth seed. <laughs> you know, <when> you lose <laughs> on Saturday, I don't even know if they're going to get in. Yeah. So, I mean, it's uh, – now, look, I, I, I'm not saying they're automatically in. You know, I'm not saying regardless of what happens the rest of the way they're in because I don't believe that. But I think if the season ended today and they were to draw up a bracket, Arkansas would be in it. Yeah, I, you know, you got work to do. People over You don't
3: expect it. You don't expect to lose at home. This is Bud Walton Arena. You're supposed to win them all at Bud Walton Arena. So I, I think that's that's a big part of it. If they lost at Starkville Saturday. The reaction would would be somewhat different, even though you lost, people well, would be disappointed. But when you lose at home to Mississippi State. That that does get people probably to react too
1: far. Every every home team in the league lost Saturday mm-hmm, sure except did. for Georgia. So uh, um, you know every once in a while you know you lose at home. The idea that you're going to win every game at home. Now if you got a team like Alabama, um, yeah you might. And you know, I'm not convinced Alabama is going to you know going to win every game at home, but they may. And um, you know so. You've you've, you've got to have a special team to run the table at home. The idea that just because you've got a great crowd and a full house that, you know, it's automatic. So we saw Saturday, it doesn't work like that. Well, if Tennessee's going
3: to uh, challenge at all for the conference regular season title, they have got to win this week. I mean, they're, what, two games back now after their loss Saturday. So that's a huge game. Coming up this week.
2: Wednesday, I double-checked Wednesday night. They get Bama at home. So that's a big game in Thompson Bowling Arena. at 6 o'clock on ESPN2. I know I'm definitely going to tune in for that to see. And, I mean, Bama just keeps coming in the in conference play. I know they had that blimp against Oklahoma, but mm-hmm. that is a team that just keeps showing you why this should be a one seed in the upcoming NCAA tournament.
1: chuck barrett here i know a thing or two about making great calls in arkansas and when it comes to your home service needs make the call to pascal air plumbing and electric the friendly pros at pascal have been serving arkansas for more than 50 years and as the weather changes make sure your system is ready with a pascal protection plan call the pros at pascal and get a seasonal tune-up discounted services and priority scheduling pascal air plumbing and electric arkansas owned Arkansas operated. GoPascal.com
0: You're listening to the Bud Light Next Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light Next is for the next era of beer drinkers with zero carbs and only 80 calories.
2: Arkansas baseball back in action for the first time this season as they'll play Globe Life against the Texas Longhorns. They had a scrimmage recently. Guys, it's it's crazy that it's already here, but uh, it doesn't get much better and started against Longhorns for this baseball team and Dave Van Horn.
1: I know a lot of people that are going next weekend. They'll uh, they'll be down there. I bet Arkansas's got a big cheering section. Texas will too. Uh, I'll bet that game Friday night's very well attended. I'm excited about it.
3: One thing I've noticed over the last few years, I think I'm right about this: how you do in Arlington or or down there where they play. They played some in Houston as well in these showcase events. You, there's no correlation to how the season's going to end. You can go down there and go zero oh, and three or three and zero, oh, and it doesn't it doesn't really reflect what you're going to be come late May.
1: Baseball's is such a long season. Um, it's uh, there is you know we talk about the ebb and the flow to a season. I don't know that it's any more so than in baseball. And you know I've seen teams have great weekends to start, and not be much the rest of the way. But I do think that when you play this kind of competition uh, right out of the gate whether you go 3-0 and or 0-3, I think that helps you. Uh, you know, I, I think to see this right out of the gate uh, does help you down the road. And, you know, more and more, uh, you know, the the numbers and, you know, the whatever they use in baseball now to determine, you know, seating and all that stuff down the road. I mean, games like this can matter. Arkansas is going to play plenty of great teams when they get to conference play. Uh, so, you know... Uh, if your record's good, your your seating's going to re- certainly reflect that when you get to the postseason. But you know, I, I just think it's right out of the gate. You're playing teams that are the caliber of what you're going to play when conference season starts. So uh, I think it's a good way to begin the season, regardless of what your record is when you come home. This
2: team showed last season that they can go to Stillwater, Oklahoma, win a regional, go to Chapel Hill, North Carolina, win a super. But you much rather hold those games in Baum Walker and. You get some of these early wins in addition to those conference wins and sweeps you could get. Be good for your RPI like Tuck's talking about. Softball team, Courtney Dival's team starts out hot. They win five straight this weekend, beat Weber State twice. You got UNLV, Southern Utah, and Baylor all go down to the Arkansas softball team. Gotta remember, we've talked about the basketball team's recruiting class, the baseball team's recruiting class. Guys, Courtney Dival brought in the number one class in the country this season and this past offseason, and they're going to be Really good this year, especially inside Bogle Park.
1: Oh, I'm sure they will. That's a uh, you know she's recruiting at a you know at that term elite level is kind of overused right now, but I don't know how else to put it. Um, you know they've then uh, they've got great players back too. It's not like you know they had to replace their entire team, so they're pretty loaded. Uh, and, good,
2: and good for SEC plays. That gets closer and closer because they've got some all-SEC performers. All right, last thing, Arkansas falls again to Mississippi State, 70-64. to Here's Coach Muss on Nick Smith Jr. after the game. That's a dilemma that we have to try to figure out and solve, trying to integrate him in. And uh, I thought he played fine. We have to play
0: better as, as a team for sure.
2: I know Nick went 2-7, for 0-1 from the free throw line. I'm, uh, I'm going to be honest. I thought there was an Anthony Black steal. Devo found A.B., and I thought Nick was going to hit that pull-up three to cut him with it two, but he hit the back iron. Uh, he's kind of got to get back in the flow of the offense and and, and figure out his spots and whatnot, but I thought defensively, guys, he was fine. He wasn't, Chuck, you said he wasn't the one getting beat on Saturday. It was some other guys that he didn't really expect.
1: No, I don't think Nick Smith's, presence and i don't mean this in a bad way i just don't think his presence you know good or bad had much to do with the outcome it was a team loss all the way around and uh i didn't think you know he didn't help him exponentially but he didn't hurt him uh, on the defensive end um i thought mississippi state won the game and arkansas did a lot of things that that can help you lose a game and uh but but i don't think smith's presence really uh had that much to do with the outcome honestly
2: and that is gonna do it for your hog update brought to you by Mr. Sparky. You
0: don't have to
4: put up with any Call Sparky.
0: Let's
2: talk to Charlie and Canman. He's got some thoughts on the game on Saturday. Go ahead, Charlie.
4: You know, if anything guys, you guys are talking about Nick's defense. If anything, he adds some things for me. A lot of times when you're dealing with a knee. Uh, it's hard for you to get down there and move laterally. And I thought he did a heck of a job, especially when he came back in in the second half and kind of, you could just see it. He was he was moving. I mean, he was, he was moving his feet. He was getting down in the stance and we talk, we all know the offense is going to come for him. He's a naturally gifted offensive player. I'm not worried about that. I was proud of the way he played. Um, You know, I thought he played hard and, and that's, and that's something you have to do to play for much. you got to play hard. As you said, Chuck, Mississippi State deserves a lot of credit for the way that game turned out. Every time Arkansas – I don't know what it was. Every time Arkansas, I felt like they were going to make a run or two or just kind of get over the hump. Mississippi State just kept answering. And I don't know going in, guys, Ty, you may have the stats, but Mississippi State wasn't the greatest three-point shooting team. Now, they went six for ten. But all the ones that they made were just – big one and every time Arkansas answered uh, Mississippi State would answer I give them credit I know a lot of people said this was a bad loss but I don't look at it from that standpoint I think Mississippi State deserves credit they came in they were hot and and I think this put them kind of in the first four out talk of the tournament so they got a big week up ahead and they could be a team that could get themselves in the conversation so I'm going to give them more credit uh, Arkansas definitely didn't play their best, but uh, Mississippi State deserves a lot of credit for the way that game turned out the other day. Yeah. Anyways, guys, I'll hang up with. Thanks, Charlie. You know,
3: and another thing, Chuck, I was listening to you, as Arkansas was fouling and putting Mississippi State at the line towards the end of the game, and, well, this guy's a 54% shooter. This guy's a... And it just seemed like Arkansas couldn't catch a break from that standpoint. They didn't always make two of two, but State made their free throws down the stretch.
1: Yeah, they did, and uh, that was a team that numbers-wise was not very good from the foul line. They ended up 18 of 26, but they made some big ones down the stretch. I want to go back to the three-point shooting just for a second. You think back to when Arkansas beat Kentucky the other night. What were they, 4 of 9 from beyond the Mm -hmm, arc? mm -hmm. Mississippi State played a similar game defensively. They were 6 of 10. My point is, is that when you are really good defensively, it's amazing how that three-point percentage goes up on the other end because you're not, you know, you're not settling. Uh, you're out in transition. Arkansas put up 18 three-point uh, three attempts. Now, I'm not a coach, but my hunch would tell me that's, that's a little bit too many for this team. I mean, we don't have that many guys that can hit them, to be frank. And uh, that's too many. That tells me that a lot of them were taken outside the framework of the offense. And when you look at a team like Mississippi State that's not a great shooting team, for them to put up 10 on the road is within the framework of their offense. And you stand to hit a lot more of those than you do when you do it outside. I I thought Arkansas kind of, you know, there were times Saturday they reverted back to some of the things they did a month ago, and that was, you know, settling for three-point shots that, you know, they didn't really have a chance to make.
2: There's precedent for quarterbacks to win the regular season NFL MVP and to falter or lose in the Super Bowl. Patrick Mahomes, not in that category. He wins the regular season. Most valuable player also wins the Super Bowl. Most valuable player the Kansas City Chiefs win 38-35 in Glendale. Want to react to that game coming up here in Hour 3.
3: Hot Take Monday brought to you by Wheels RV. Five miles west of exit 72 off of I-49 in Springdale. Great brands, great prices, great people, on-site storage, paint, body, and collision center to take care of any needs you need down the road, and a lifetime warranty on every new RV they sell. It's all at Wheels RV, five miles west of Exit 72. Off of I-49
2: in Springdale, seek, explore, discover with Will's RV. I know people were having fun at Cowboys fans' expenses this morning, including being in Clarksville. Dak was at the Super Bowl, and so they were saying that congrats to the Dallas Cowboys and Dak for making the Super Bowl because he was in attendance, just not in uniform. Won the Uh, uh, Walter Payton award, didn't he? Yeah. And uh, got
1: booed, yeah. Did he really? Philly fans. Philly fans. fans Oh, yeah. 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 All right. Even for you could read his lips when they booed. He said, "Philly fans." I mean, <laughs> he expected it. Everybody expected that. Oh man, I Wait. wouldn't read too much into it. Well, Mahomes, I mean, he
3: was. It's not like he was just there watching. He, he was the the Walter, ba- Walter Payton Man of the
1: Year award, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's not an award that should be diminished by all this. No. And it's uh, certainly well earned. But yeah, I mean, look, when you saw him out there, you knew. I mean, you knew the Philly fans were going to boo him. That's part of it. Uh, what are the Philly
2: fans? Rank is some of the most They're loyal. opinion. Opinion, I don't know if I'd say vile, but where where, where are they rank in sports in terms of the hatred for their rivals.
3: No different than we are with Texas, no different than we are with LSU in baseball, you know, no different than it's going to be when Tennessee rolls in here in April for baseball. It's going to be a hostile series. I mean, so, I mean. Let's not act like Philly's the worst in the world. I mean, we can get right on that level, too, when we need to. Mm
2: -hmm. No, that's fair on that. So has the disdain for Kansas City risen to pretty abnormal levels after they win their second in three years? I mean, I I said this earlier. I think Mahomes is a likable guy, but I I did see a lot of pushback on I hate the Chiefs this morning and after last night after they win. What do you guys think about just kind of where they are in sports right now?
1: Well, I think in our part of the world there are a lot more Chiefs fans than maybe there are in other places. I think it's no different than anybody else. I mean, you know, they they love them in their area, and I'll bet they don't like them very much in Denver. And I'll bet the Raiders still hate them. And i bet the Eagles right now don't like them very much. And, you know, um, when you are on the cusp of a dynasty, which is where I think they are, Yeah, you're going to have people that are going to detract and that's just or not detract, but people that just don't like you. That's 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 part of it. I mean, I I, again, I I I think everything that's happened in terms of fan reaction, Super Bowl show, whole deal. um, I don't think there's anything abnormal about all this.
2: Well, speaking of abnormal, did y'all think there was an abnormal amount of slips during that game? It sure seemed like the yeah field. The, feel. Still, the feel
1: was terrible. Yeah, and you know that was um, uh, that was done by the Oklahoma State Turf Department. Mm-hmm. Um, that was um, that was their project, and it sure seemed like there was a lot of slippage going on out there. So
2: Harrison Butker, when they played their first game of the season against the Cardinals in that same stadium, got hurt. And then there, I know Elliot slipped. I can't remember. Butker slipped a lot, but there were guys all over the field, especially in the, the logo areas that they couldn't stand upright during the course yeah, of the you game. You
1: know, Greg Olson rightly pointed that out right before the final field goal of the game that the ball was going to be put down in that painted area and footing would be important. And it was one of the kickoffs where, uh, I mean, the kicker, I mean, I don't know, I kept from breaking his ankle the way he slipped. Mm-hmm. So that was an issue last night, no doubt about it.
3: I haven't heard Olson say they painted the entire field. I, I guess some of the, the grass that, you know, appeared green on TV
1: was even painted. Well, you're grass inside, so, you know. It's not exactly well. You're not growing it in there, but you're sustaining it in there. So, well, they uh,
3: they mentioned they had the Tahoma 37, which is a, a, a maybe maybe Carl Carl Spackler should have shown up, and got us some that's northern exactly right. Northern California censamia. I mean that maybe that's what they needed in there. So.
2: Arkansas grows its grass outside of Memphis, right? And then JB Hunt hauls it over. If I remember that right, if I remember that transportation. Well, that's what they so. put in.
3: Um, after they moved from turf back to that, and then they were going to redo it following the Garth Brooks concert, but they, they stayed with what they had.
1: I don't know anything about turf management, so uh, I, I don't want to offer a definitive word, but I I would wonder, does it have to do with the turf or does it have to do with the application of the turf? I don't know. But um it was an issue last night no doubt about it.
2: So you had it in Glendale, next year it's in Vegas. I know we've talked about that. And the following year it's in New Orleans. At some point Nashville when they build their new dome is going to get one as well. Is there any place you'd like to see it in the coming years? The Super Bowl? Not to actually be there, but we've you- had
1: really thought about it. They'll uh you know, they'll pick the major venues and the new stadiums and all that. And that's um uh, that's part of the show. The glitz and the glitter is part of the Super Bowl. So they're going to have it in what we would call, I guess, uh, you know, your more glamorous destinations. So weird that
2: the national championship game was in Los Angeles this year. That, that was a I little know.
1: strange. I, that was a little strange. They yes. didn't
2: have tailgating. That just – and I know it's a big metropolitan area, and it's uh, – Good sports. But that just seemed odd to yeah. me.
1: Well, if it there. had been at the Rose Bowl in Pasadena, I don't think we would have said that. But because it was at what we think of as, a you know, an NFL stadium and futuristic in look and in a place that you don't think of as necessarily, at least in our part of the world. I don't know that we think of L.A. as being the heart and soul of college football. But, um, yeah, it was all right. I mean, it was OK. I, hey, um, I can remember when we went to USC years ago and up until the game started, it was a heck of a trip. And um you know going to Southern California is not bad for those kids. I'm sure they enjoyed it a lot.
3: All of these kind of games, Super Bowls, National Championships, Final Fours in basketball, all being held in these same similar facilities and it's it's about the suites. It's about the corporate sales on, there's on a lot premium opportunities. Sure. And the, the newer stadiums and the domed stadiums offer that and a lot of times there's two levels or two rows if you will, two floors of of suites, so Uh, It's all about being able to cash in on that too and having those amenities to offer.
2: One of y'all, and I can't remember which one, was talking about desire earlier when a team wins the Super Bowl. You referenced the Rams who did not have a good season this year. Assuming Andy Reid is the coach again for the Chiefs, how do you motivate this team to once again try and find themselves back in the Super Bowl? I mean, that's got to be one of the most difficult things to do as a, a head football coach in the National Football League is push a team coming off a Super Bowl victory. The hunger's just, as y'all said, not there as much.
1: Well, you've got to have the leader of the team that provides all that. You think about what Brady did with the Patriots for all those years. And uh, Mahomes is that kind of guy with Kansas City. Uh, As Andy Reid said, he makes everybody better, including the head coach. So, um, you know, players like that, you know, we focus on what they do in the big games, but it's what they do when we are not watching that prepare them to perform like that when we are watching. And so Mahomes is that kind of guy. He doesn't just show up and you know pull a rabbit out of a hat. So uh, if you've got someone like that as your quarterback in the NFL... That gives you a chance to sustain things.
2: Joe Burrow is so still his biggest challenger in future years. Is that the guy that he's going to have to beat repeatedly no, in a division? did you say the, the Bills were number two mm-hmm. in the odds to win the,
3: the title next year? Yeah, seriously. they're not
1: going away. The Bills aren't going away, and the Bengals aren't going away. And my guess would be that, you know, over the next two or three years, those are the teams that we're going to watch battling it out. Yeah. You know, uh, at least two of those three teams, we're going to watch battling it out. And so – uh, we're kind of in that cycle right now. Question is, which one of those three are the Cowboys going to beat? I mean, in the Super Bowl. I mean, that's that's
3: the question right now.
2: <laughs> I think it's got to be frustrating for Dallas Cowboy fans, not just this year. But, I mean, you see a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes. You saw one in Joe Burrow last year. And, I mean, Chuck, you've addressed it, the fact that while Dak is a good quarter, he's not that next-level guy. and you need You almost have to have that in today's NFL to get over the jump.
1: Well, you do, and 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 you know they'll they'll you know they'll either sink or swim with Dak next year, just just like they've done. And we've all got our ideas about what they're going to do. I don't think that cowboy fans, frankly, in our state, are invested anymore the way cowboy fans, for example, in Dallas are. You know, NFL fans, cowboy fans that put the cowboys first before their college team. Um, I don't think there are any fans in Arkansas that are you know Razorback fans that. Put the Cowboys, or if there are this number of people, it's very small to put the Cowboys above the Razorbacks. So I don't think that um, I, Cowboys fans have gotten used to this, and and um, you know, but I, I, I don't I don't think there's the rabid NFL Cowboy base here like there would be in the in the greater Dallas area.
2: So we talked a lot about the game to this point. I know we mentioned some commercials. Guys, one of the things I was most excited about watching last night is the trailer for the new Indiana Jones movie. Don't care about the new Fast and Furious movie, but I mean, Harrison Ford, I don't, he's eight, I think 80 something now, but I'm actually genuinely excited for that new Indiana Jones movie coming out. Go get him. I'd have to go back and watch the old one. I
3: watched, that is a series I watched as, as a kid, but I, I mean, we're going back 40 years, I guess.
1: We still got movie passes around there? You guys still give away movie passes? You get to go free tire? You got to pay your way in like we, everybody else. Do we have any of those? We don't have any movie passes. I can't get Bummer. you, into, you know,
3: maybe into Tri-State Speedway or something if you'd like that to That was go. a
1: staple of old school radio <laughs> oh, yeah. was the free movie passes.
3: Yeah. I mean, um, you're right. And we used to give those away and then... Uh, uh, Than the stock car racing tickets. I'm sure you okay. gave away many of those at uh, one side appearances.
1: Absolutely, what, people
3: just pull up. would not get a car? Y'all got any tri state tickets? That's right. You know? That's
1: exactly how it used <laughs> to you, be. You're right. If you said
2: no, they just kept on moving. You know. When is the last movie y'all have seen in theaters? When what, what got you up to a movie theater that you're like, I got to see this? Top Gun. Top Gun. I think that was mine too.
1: What about you, Chuck? I don't. I don't remember. I, mean, I don't honestly, go to movies though. I mean, it, I don't it, remember it, the last time I went.
2: I'm. Um,
3: I'm kind of like uh, Mississippi State. I'm I'm about four four movies in five years at the theater. I don't go very often.
2: I think and the other movie that I want to see is Air. The kind of behind now that the one scenes. interested me. Yeah, yeah it's got the Sonny Vaccaro story with Phil Knight and Michael Jordan, where they convince Michael and his family that they should sign with Nike rather than Converse and some of the other brands. But uh, that's a movie. I'm the got all star cast: Ben Affleck, Matt Damon. I mean, you've got some. Really talented actors and actresses in that movie that I'm definitely going to watch.
3: Speaking of Affleck, how about the commercial where he's uh, the Dun- I guess it's Dunkin' Donuts where he oh, was yeah. working the, the the drive-through and Jennifer J Lo pulls up. That, that was a pretty. That was probably one of the better, more one of the few commercials that might have made you laugh. Now, that was the problem with the commercials yesterday. None of them made you just laugh. Made, mm-hmm. none of them at my
2: house made the the entire room laugh. I thought the. The Doritos commercials back in the day were hysterical. He had a few Pepsi commercials that stood out, but this year was just a bunch of duds, to be honest. See,
1: I think that uh, from a commercial standpoint, this is just my opinion, um, I realize that Anheuser-Busch sells more Michelob Ultra than anything else out there, but I think that Budweiser ad was the tone setter for the rest of the night. I think when you turn on the Super Bowl, you expect to see a Budweiser ad that tugs at your heartstring right out of the gate. There was no tone setter on the commercials last night. There was nothing there that made you say, man, this is the Super Bowl. I mean, this is the Super Bowl. And I understand, you know, again, Budweiser supposedly, you know, the king of beers is a dying brand, and Michelobolters is what they're making all their money off of now, and I get all that. But it, um, it felt a little different for me. I just put it that way.
2: Yeah, last night was the first time that other beer outside of Amheuser-Busch could advertise uh, on the game, but they still, like you said, I, I look forward to that one commercial each and every year, and it just didn't have that pop, unfortunately.
1: Well, you know, I thought maybe they were waiting until the second half to show the good commercials this year. I don't know. I I, I thought there were you know, maybe a few better ones in the second half. I'm not sure. Hey, if you've reached the point in your life where you're in the market to sell or sell the home you have, or maybe buy a new one, let me recommend Wyker Realtors, the Griffin Company. Um, this is a this is a company that, first off, just trains their people better than everybody else. And when you get right down to it, you know, if you're selling a home or buying a home, I'm not sure you really want someone who does it as a side gig. At least I wouldn't. Um, my experience with Weigert Realtors, the Griffin Company, was that they were entirely—I mean, from top to bottom. Uh, the most well-trained agents in the business and you know that allows you to understand the market it allows you to be a great negotiator Um, and and that's really important because you know that's going to get you to the price and then when you get there you got to get from contract to close and uh, nobody's better in the business than Weicker Realtors the Griffin company. Now they've got an office in Fayetteville they're in Springdale, Bentonville, Fort Smith, they're in Branson, Missouri now as well. You can always log on to weichardgriffin.com. I'm jumping back
2: into SEC basketball for a second in Arkansas falls to Mississippi State 70 to 64. One of the Kentucky beat riders put this out that it's been over 1,400 days since Kentucky has won an NCAA tournament game. Guys, what does that say about where Cal and company are right now? Not just this year, but mm-hmm. where lexington is as a basketball program he also had
3: a COVID year in there i mean i don't want to say mm-hmm. it's a misleading number because that's that's correct but he also had a year that you didn't have the tournament either and then you had a another year where it was under extremely uh, uh stressed circumstances but um yeah i think he's on thin ice i mean I, I honestly can't see john calipari back as the head coach
1: at kentucky next year i think the run's about up whether or not it ends after this year i don't know but i think the run's about up and you know when you, um, you know when you fall out of favor, so to speak. Um, you know it's generally because you've not won as many games as you did before. In fact, it's most of the time always that way, or always that way. But uh, um, you can always find numbers, and they'll cite a bunch of them with Cal right now. Bottom line is he's had a great run, but it's about over. Every run ends, and uh, his is about to end there. I think whether or not it'll be at the end of this year, I don't know. Um, You know, if they were to make a run, if they were to get hot, which it looked like they were going to there for a little bit, um, you know, they might love him by the end of the year, but certainly seems like that, you know, we're in the latter stages of the Cal era. Purdue loses
2: to Northwestern over the weekend. I would expect Alabama to be number one, maybe Houston, but I think it's going to be Bama. I think it should be Alabama. Are they, from what you've seen through two thirds of conference play? I think they're a number one seed. Do you guys agree
1: with that? Well, think I think they'll be the number one overall seed.
2: Yeah. Isn't that crazy to think about in Tuscaloosa, Alabama? I know there's Robert Ory. I know Nate's has done a good job, but is it odd to to say the number one team in the SEC and maybe no. all of college basketball is hailing in Tuscaloosa right now? Yeah, well, that
3: university was due a break. They haven't they haven't had a good pro. Like, yeah,
1: <laughs> they're a basketball school yeah. now.
3: <laughs> I mean, yeah, it does sound weird because when you say the University of Alabama and you think Alabama, you think about Nick Saban. You don't think about Nate Oates. You don't think about basketball. You think about football, and you've done that for decades. So, yeah, it is It is a bit different.
2: Oates was joking early on in his tenure. He was just happy Nick Saban knew his name and knew who he was. <laughs> and now, it's, I mean, he's never going to surpass the popularity of Saban on that campus, no. but Alabama to be where they are in basketball right now and him have the recruiting prowess where they brought in Tuscaloosa he's done a, a great job there.
1: well it it speaks to the prowess of the league it speaks to uh, the money that the that the league generates it speaks to the money that you can commit to basketball and recruiting and all the things that are required uh, to win a national championship and you know um Alabama was an after, pardon me, Alabama basketball was an afterthought in that state for a long time. And by that, I mean not just with the fans, I mean with funding, with money. And you look again at, at um, you know, what, um, what the financial dividend of being in the SEC can bring to you in all sports. And when you combine that with hiring the right guy, you can win a lot of games. And Alabama hired the right guy. And he's caught a break in that, you know, Brandon Miller's been everything he's been advertised to be, and he's been there all year long. Are they going to – you know, read
3: whether there is plans to replace Coleman, or they just yeah, renovating it? They're going to build a new one down yeah. there.
2: Oates has been pushing that, but uh, I think they're, the supply – They're going to build it. Yeah, they, the supplies and stuff, I think it was the, I think it was the athletic director, at Bur- Greg Byrne, was talking about how it's increased by 30 or 40% from what they originally projected it to be, so – That's something that I know that they were having to deal with, but it looks like they're going to – I mean, when you win,
1: a lot of things get – Oh, they're going to build it. They're going to build it. Because right now, here's the thing, and you talked about it a little bit earlier in relation to where they play the Super Bowl. I've been to Coleman Coliseum many, many times. I mean, you can't sell suites there. And when you look at what they would have to do to that facility uh, to maximize the earning potential they now have with their basketball program, you might as well build a new one. You might as well build a new one, you know, to spend all the money to renovate that one, and that's what they're going to do.
3: Well, and uh, you know, to 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 sustain that level and to get the next coach when Nate Oates does move on, and he will at some point, you know, you better have the facilities to back the coach
1: up. And well, uh, you know, they they've got to get it to keep Nate Oates. They got to do that too. You look at again the money that's available in our league right now, and um, you know, you've, um, you've, he's obviously proven you can be what they are playing inside Coleman Coliseum. But I'll guarantee you that when he's out there on the road recruiting, he's talking about the promise of a new arena. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guarantee you that comes up.
3: And the main benefit for a new arena would be to have better seats for the football recruits when they come in January right. to, you know, to I see can, a Saturday game.
1: So. I can remember, you know, when Alabama would, would lose in basketball, the only thing people would say would be, well, you you think that affected us with the football recruits that were here? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that was the only reason they cared about basketball. Now they want to win it all.
3: Yeah, there's no, no question about uh, what came first. I don't think basketball is replacing football, but it's uh, –